listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. It is so easy to get lost in the creative journey. That's why this show exists, to help you get back on the path to unlocking your creative potential. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into this episode. This episode is proudly sponsored by and in collaboration with the Lego Group, Kids are the imagination experts. We all know that. And that's why the Lego Group's Rebuild the World campaign is all about turning the kids to imagine creative solutions to build a brighter story about the world with Lego. There's there's nothing more creative pep talk than that. I just absolutely love it. Ask your kids to tell a story about something that would bring joy to their world, solve a creative problem, or bring people together. Come on! Share photos of their Lego builds, pictures, and ideas on social media. And don't forget to mention at Lego and use the hashtag rebuild the world. Cannot wait to see what your kids come up with. So this episode is a special episode because it's sponsored by Lego and it's made in conjunction in collaboration with Lego. I'm making stuff with Lego and I'm not even using Lego bricks. That's pretty dope. Uh, I'm very excited about it and I don't let just anybody touch the podcast, okay? But if there's one entity that I trust creatively, it's Lego. I love their movies. I love their shows. I love their bricks. And they have been a massive influence on my creative practice since I was just a wee little boy. Now, this episode, this episode is for anybody who often gets bogged down with the fact that there's this heavy burden on creative people that says you have to be totally and utterly unlike anything the universe has ever seen. That's what creativity is for. That's what creativity is about. And sometimes, man, I am just so like traumatized by the fact that no matter how hard I try, I always am inspired and influenced in a product of the things that came before. Yes, I always add my own spin and my own ideas and I always am attempting to say something unique to me. But sometimes I get really discouraged by just how there's nothing new under the sun. No matter what idea I come up with, that there's some other thing that I'll run into in the future where it's like, oh, that's already been done or this is already have, you know, it's just an incredibly discouraging burden on the creative person. And if you feel like that. I want to remind you that that is not what creativity is about. That's not how it works. That's not what it's for. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. 
Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding it was Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. When I was little... I remember telling my brother, I think we were getting dropped off at my grandma's house who she was our babysitter. And uh, I remember I was getting super inspired. I was one of these kids that was obsessed with action figures. And I told my brother, I was like, I'm going to make my own action figures. I'm going to make my own toys. And he looked at me and he was like, dude, you're an idiot. (laughs) You can't just make your own toys. Like, how are you going to do that? And I remember thinking, I think all I need is like a a log and like a saw. And I can just, I had this vision of just like cutting into it, man, and creating these like perfectly articulated limbs. And you know, it's a sad story because no, as a seven, eight, nine-year-old, whatever it was, I could not achieve that. I don't remember what I actually attempted, but it blew up in my face. It didn't work out whatsoever. And around this same time, I started to build with Lego, not using the instructions, AKA being creative, you know, and, and what I was doing was I would take inspiration from the sets that I had and I would take what I'd built, I'd unbuild it and I'd rebuild them in new kinds of ways. And I would add my own spin. I would add my own flavor. And I'd make these like crazy, awesome mechs, these giant robots that my action figures could get in and these own characters and vehicles. And I felt like I had kind of satisfied that desire to create my own toys. And I think it was because with Lego bricks, I wasn't starting from scratch, right? And I think we have this feeling that creativity is about starting from scratch. But I actually believe that your inspirations, your influences, the work of your creative heroes, those are the building bricks that you build upon. 
you unbuild what they built and you rebuilt it through the lens of your hand and your life and experiences and you put your own spin on it and you make interesting, unusual connections with the influences that are kind of contradictory from your personal creative diet. And it makes me think of Sir Isaac Newton, who once when complimented was like, no, if I've seen further than anybody else, it's purely from standing on the shoulders of giants and in the same way creators are building on the shoulders of their creative heroes and sometimes I think if we had this mentality of that's mine this is yours don't touch it don't be influenced don't be inspired in the realms of like science we would get nowhere You know, can you imagine a scientist that gets started and says, I don't want to hear anybody's research. I don't want to hear any any of the past discoveries. I want to start from scratch. Like what? That person might discover soap. We've had soap for at least hundreds of years. Okay. We need you to pick up the torch, not start from scratch. And in this episode, I want to dive into this thing that Lego's doing right now. It's called Rebuild the World. And it's all about building, unbuilding, and rebuilding. And I want to explore three different ways that you can look at that idea for your creative practice so that you don't have to start from scratch, so that you can see that creativity isn't about being a singularity. It's about being part of a community. It's about taking your place in a kind of tradition of humans as a species who have created from the beginning of the dawn of time. It's about taking part. And in this episode, I want to suggest some practical applications of how to do just that. Let's go. Okay, so when I heard about Lego's rebuild the world concept of build, unbuild, rebuild, I was so pumped because it matches a bunch of my creative philosophies and I planned an episode and I was like, wait, no, there's a whole other thing. And then I did another one. I thought, wait a second, I like all of these different ways. Which one is going to be the episode? I think, yes, all three of them are going to be the episode. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three for the price of one. We're going to go through three different ways that you can use the idea of build unbuild, rebuild in your creative practice. The first one is how you deal with influences. The second one is what type of creative you are. And the third one is through the lens of a journey or your creative story. Okay. So number one, let's get into it. The first one is you can think about how you interact with your influences through the lens of the build, unbuild, rebuild framework. Now, first of all, I'd like to just address something, okay? You know, a few weeks back, I posted my Squidmund Freud. It's a squid that looks like Freud, and it was about creative trauma, and I got a bigger response to that than I th- maybe more than anything I've ever posted, and it was just essentially this thing that came up for me in therapy, which was that I have some forms of trauma related to my creative journey that result in this type of hypervigilance. I was describing this way that I try to go out of my way. I am hypervigilant about 
being above reproach in my practice, making sure I do everything just perfectly so no one can call me out or hate on what I create. And it's a response to something that happened early in my creative journey and something I've seen happen to other creators. Now, that giant response led me to believe like we got a lot of work to do here, both for me and for you. So if you have creative trauma, one of the areas might be around the idea of influences. You know, if you go search copyright law, it doesn't actually give you much in the way of how to be influenced. There are some general practices, but at the end of the day, every article I read about it said, yeah, but it's gray. Yeah, but it's gray. Yeah, there's no exact. And everything that there is, all the lines in the sand are acting as if creativity is some kind of mathematics in which you know is not true. That's not like, it's a lot grayer than that. And it's sometimes difficult to know how do I interact with my influences? What is the correct way to be influenced? And I think that this rebuild the world concept can be pretty helpful. So the first thing I want you to do, I want you in the build process, I want you to just collect a bunch of your favorite pieces, just stuff that you're super crazy about and just make a list of them. Make a list of your favorite movies, but probably... Uh, or, or albums or what have you, but probably pick stuff that's in your medium, your creative heroes, the favorite thing that you ever, they ever made. If you're an illustrator, it might be like a Pinterest page of these are my favorite illustrations of all time by a bunch of different illustrators. Okay. The second thing I want you to do is after you get what they have built, I want you to unbuild it. I want you to take their metaphorical Lego sets, right? That and the instructions that came with the box and I want you to tear it down. I want you to unbuild it. I want you to deconstruct your favorite things. Okay, I want you to figure out what are the basic parts here? Austin Kleon talks about this kind of like a creative influences family tree. Don't stop with your three influences. Go find who three people that influenced them. Where did all of these pieces come from? Yeah, some of the pieces in your artist's work, there's parts of it that come purely from them. They are happy accidents. Their style flourishes that came about through the process of making stuff that they stumbled upon themselves or their decisions that they made, not based on any of their influences. But you can bet your darn tootin' booty that some of the choices they're making came from influences on their creative work. And what we want to do in the unbuilding process is just name those things and kind of see how the sausage was made. You know, in Bo Burnham's latest special, Inside, it's on Netflix, he has this little diagram. It's a joke, but he has this little Venn diagram that says that he is the overlap between Malcolm X and Weird Al, and that little sliver overlap is him. Obviously, he's kidding about that, but I would go so far to say that if you replace Malcolm X in that equation with Kanye, by Bo Burnham's own admission, Kanye's musical stylings are a big influence on his work, I do think once you deconstruct Bo Burnham as the meeting place between Weird Al and Kanye, think about Weird Al with some crazy auto-tune and 808s, 
you kind of have Bo Burnham, man. You have some of his best stuff. And that's the power. That's the beauty of the unbuilding process. All of a sudden, you're demystifying this thing that seems completely, you know, if you talk to anybody about Bo Burnham special, what are they going to say? They say it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And I'd say kind of, but it's also like if Weird Al had auto-tune, right? Like <laughs> that's kind of what it's like. And so you're kind of creating the elevator pitch for your favorite creators, you know, a lot of movies in Hollywood, I'm told, were sold purely through an elevator pitch of saying it's like this meets that with a little bit of that. You know, when they sold Alien, it's this famous elevator pitch of saying it's Jaws, but in space. Right. You know, Star Wars, we think Star Wars groundbreaking, but Kirby Ferguson's many docu-series, uh, web series, everything is a remix points out perfectly that star Wars is nothing. If not samurai movies, plus Joseph Campbell's hero's journey in space. Once you know that all of a sudden that deconstruction makes this thing not seem so mystical. Once you can see the, sum of the parts, they always add up to more than they are but there's always parts. We just recently watched My Little Pony's new movie, The New Generations, and to me, I was deconstructing it. I was thinking this is like Pixar's Onward plus the movie Trolls mixed with My Little Pony lore. It feels very much like a sum of those pieces. And then I would go so far to do it for my favorite creators. You know, Alex G., one of my favorite musicians right now, he really sounds like I heard it described as built to spill mixed with Elliot Smith. And I'm like, dude, that's exactly what it sounds like. But you'd be blown away before you do the unbuilding process, how mystical this whole thing feels it, it, until you actually get intentional about it. You'll be blown away by how many of your favorite things have these very obvious mashups. You know, for me, one of my favorite illustrators when I was getting started, still a big influence on my work, big influence on a whole generation of illustrators. Lots of my friends are influenced by Jeff McFetridge. And for me, it's kind of like if... Saul Bass, who is famous for, you know, his movie posters and opening credit animations. He did the poster for The Shining and he did it for Vertigo, posters that you've seen a billion times. For me, Jeff McFetridge is kind of like if Saul Bass had illustrated Yellow Submarine and instead of the Beatles, it's the Beastie Boys. Boom, you've got Jeff McFetridge. Go ahead, make the list. That's the build, unbuild it, deconstruct it into its basic parts. And then the next step is to rebuild. My friend and fellow co-loop artist, Lauren Hom, lettering artist, foodie extraordinaire. She told me that there's this really interesting thing in the creative world of food that says that, you know, how do you know when a recipe is yours? It's getting back to this grayness of copyright. And if you actually go... uh, search on the internet, how can you claim a recipe as your own? There is no definitive answer how to be influenced in the proper way, but there is a general agreement. Lauren told me that it's generally accepted that you need to significantly change three ingredients. 
or two ingredients in one part of the process. You have to make three considerable changes to the recipe to call it your own. And so for me, it's things like being influenced by Jeff McFetridge's kind of Peter Max, Yellow Submarine, psychedelic thing that's a little bit modern. Instead of it being Saul Bass illustrating Yellow Submarine played by Beastie Boys, for me, it's more like if Mary Blair, the concept artist behind famous Disney films like Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan, she also did the concept art for the ride It's a small world, all huge influences on me. It's more like if Mary Blair illustrated Yellow Submarine in my work and the band's not the Beatles, but maybe the band Y or the band Modest Mouse or the band Sue Found Stevens and you start getting this whole different thing. You see, the only thing I'm taking from that influence family tree is the yellow submarine. And then I'm throwing all these different things on it. Jeff's inspiration from Saul Bass is very line centric. Whereas my influence from Mary Blair is very shapey instead of line heavy. You know, my invisible things project where I personify invisible forces, it's very much the heart of the book, the little prince. It's the same armature You know, the idea behind the book, the classic novel, The Little Prince is what is essential is invisible to the eye. Like that's the whole idea of invisible things. That's the heart of it. But the skin is from like, you know, British shows from like the 70s, the flumps. The characters are very like that. And it's got kind of the abstraction of Remy Charlip, the kids illustrator, and the hiding their faces in the character design is very like secret squirrel and an orco from He-Man. That property is the sum of a lot of different parts and changing large parts of the ingredients of all of those different influences means that as I take what they built, unbuild it and rebuild it with all these combinations and filtered through my own life and hand and style, we get something that I can claim as my own recipe. So that's the first way that you can use the rebuilding the world framework. All right, let's break down two more ways to think about the build, unbuild, rebuild process for finding some inspiration for your creative practice. Maybe you don't struggle with feeling unoriginal, but maybe you struggle with being insecure about the type of creative you are. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but often when I see somebody crushing it and they're doing this thing, my first, there's this inner impulse to be, to compare myself to that person and be like, Am I like that or do I suck? If they're awesome doing it that way, then I must suck if I'm not doing it that way. But the truth is all types of creativity are valid. There are a million different ways 
If there are infinite different ways of being creative. As soon as there's a right way to be creative, it's not creative anymore and you got to do it the wrong way. You know what I mean? Uh, and so if you personally struggle sometimes feeling like, oh, you know, I'm not like David Lynch who does this experimental crazy thing or I'm not like Devo who was doing the real art. I'm not like... Kendrick Lamar, like he's the real deal, man. And I'm just this other type of creative that is not valid. I want to just introduce these different modes, the build, the unbuild, and the rebuild as potential creative types. You know, one of the things that I have picked up throughout my creative journey is that there isn't just one type of creative. You know, sometimes you'll your grandma will be like, hey, you got to meet my neighbor. She's an artist. And you're like, oh, grandma, you don't understand that being an artist doesn't mean one thing. And as I started wrestling around with the build, unbuild, rebuild thing, I thought these kind of also identify particular ways of being creative, all of which are valid. The first one is the build creative type. Now, this type is all about play. You got to think experimental. You got to think about people who are all about the process. You know, I have friends who they just get lost in the draw, you know, colored pencil drawing process and just lose themselves in hours and hours of that. And just seeing what happens on the page, like a creative Ouija board kind of thing. You know, I have friends who come up with tons and tons of concepts, just concepts, just by moving shapes around on the page. And they're driven by that sense of the Bob Ross happy accident. What happened? Didn't see that coming. Happy to play alone. You know, a lot of the people that are the build type that are just process driven, addicted to making something happen on the page or in the song that has never happened before. I think this creative type more than the other two are happy just to be wrestling around with their creative outlet and not super interested or not. It's not as much of a deal breaker to have other people appreciate what they do. And I think for that reason, the build creative type are often the type that is the most credible in the world of the critics because they just trust themselves. They're in it for the process. There's a purity to it. And I think that that I totally celebrate these types of creators, but I do think that because they are seen as kind of the gold standard that the other two often are looked down on. But if you are a build type, these are people like Radiohead, David Lynch. We had a uh, Simon Chow on the podcast years ago. This is an ADHD illustrator animator has done a bunch of crazy psychedelic stuff for like Rick and Morty. And it's just like seeing new dimensions getting lost in this crazy dense animation process. Uh, my buddy, go shrimp who was the original back 
round designer for Adventure Time. He talks about an empty blank page being like this thing that you just carve into like it's a big hunk of marble and you just dive in and you just carve away and you just find what's in this blank page and you get lost in the play. You know, I think of people like Andre 3000 who are just doing things that nobody in his neck of the wood was comfortable with or saw coming in terms of fashion and hip hop. Just love the medium, love the flow state, love to get lost in the process. If that's you, you might be a build creative type addicted to what has never been seen, loving those happy accidents. For you, that is creativity. And I think one of the ways that we fall short is that each of the types kind of think of their creativity as the gold standard. But I actually think they can all exist and they work together to push the creative community forward. All right, the second type, the unbuild type. Okay, these are the deconstructionists. These are the people that often are protest artists. These are people that want to tear down the form. They want to tear down oppressive structures. They focus on not what's there, but on what's missing. You know, these are the creative types. They're critics as creatives. You know, when they watch a movie, they can't help but focus on the thing that they feel was missing. They often have a critique of the artistic world that they're a part of. And they often have this extreme openness, like anything goes, don't put me in a box. These, this is where I think these unbuild kind of creative people that want to tear everything down and deconstruct everything and live in that kind of abstract state. I think these are the people that really embody this whole idea of thinking outside of the box. Examples of this, David Shrigley. I'm a huge David Shrigley fan. This is a visual artist who does these incredible gallery shows and paintings, and he is someone who is a complete unbuilder a deconstructionist of the form, the things that he draws and the way that he paints, all of them defy the standard set upon visual art. You know, they're not technically good drawings, but there's something about the kind of naive approach that has this purity and playfulness and humanity that you're more constructed, you're more on the nose type of visual artists can't achieve. Alanis Morissette, I think here's a great deconstructionist, someone who is railing against the norm, you know, both in terms of gender norms of her day and in terms of, you know, constantly doing stream of consciousness songs, breaking out of the rhyme scheme, you know, just pushing every single edge out possible. Punk music, deconstructing the establishment. Jordan Peele, everything that he does is some kind of commentary on the structures of the day. You know, Devo, here's a a band that is obviously railing against something Devo standing for de-evolution of of humanity. And even the lead singer, Mark Mothersbaugh, was part of a parody religion 
There's a very like anti-thesis deconstructionist spirit and ethos within all of these creative people. If you feel like you're kind of a creative rebel, if you need something to push up against to get started, if you find your inspiration in your anger, you might be an unbilled artist and there's nothing wrong with that. We need those people. And sometimes I've mentioned this on the show. People kind of see me as someone who's a real builder or probably I fall in the rebuild category, someone who's constantly trying to take the rubble and reconstruct it into something that we can move forward with. And sometimes I feel like those people think that I'm going to be anti-unbuilders or uncomfortable with the people that are out there deconstructing, protesting, tearing down stuff. And actually, I completely and utterly support them because for the rebuilders like me, we need things to be deconstructed. You know, those are where we get our building blocks. And I actually believe, again, all these types are valid. So the rebuilders, who are these people? The rebuilding types, these are the people that are really about combining things in unexpected ways. You know, they're usually, I think, of the three groups, the most fan-centric artists. They're people that they got into the creative process because of their obsession, their passion, their taste for the stuff that came before. You know, I think a lot of rebuilders, a lot of these rebuilders tend to be more pop leaning pop culture. You know, they're really thinking about things through the lens of utility. I think a lot of rebuilders are more in the focus of how art isn't just an expression or a pastime or a playtime for the artist, but a tool. They see all the pieces that have been built and unbuilt and all laying there as raw material to be put together in such a way that it does something for the community. You know, there's a real focus on utility. And I think ultimately one of the things that the rebuilders do is they really take hold of the power of the right brain to see patterns. You know, the left brain is all about noticing what's different. That's a, that's a quality of when you're in the left brain, but the right brain can see patterns and synchronicities and combinations that seem impossible and put together in where two old things become something totally new. You know, the purest example of this for me is the band Girl Talk. Do you know Girl Talk? This is a band, first of all, not for the, um, you know, it's definitely R-rated. If music could be X-rated, it might be (laughs) X-rated music, but it is one of the most creative things I've ever seen. It's one of the most honest versions of creativity because I really strongly believe that every artist is building on the shoulders of giants. Nobody is dropped out of the ether from an alien planet and just starts making stuff divorced from anything that came before. And Girl Talk is kind of the most on-the-nose exploration of that, where essentially Greg Gillis, I believe his name was, is he's 
he's not making that much music these days. That's why I say was. He's still around, um, but he takes all these samples from hundreds of songs and creates an album. You know, one song might have 10 different samples and it might be anything from like the Dawson's Creek theme song to Avril Lavigne to Metallica to Ludacris to Wu-Tang Clan, all smashed into one. And I feel like this combination of things, I'll just go on record to say that I feel like it might have been the thing that ushered in the exodus of indie snobbery into, you know, a more mixed critical appreciation of all forms of music, because I think there was something that happened when this guy saw the commonality, the, the, the quality that didn't just range from the stuff on the fringe that was celebrated in the you know, mid 2000s, but also saw that like, hey, by the way, Buster Rhymes is actually amazing. Or that have you ever thought about how sweet it would be if Twista had the backing music of like an uplifting U2 song? And this, this, these combinations create all these new genre bending, mind melting ideas that kind of, I think, broke musical territory lines wide open. And that's the power of the rebuilder. You know, I think Wes Anderson is a rebuilder. He's someone who had picked things from his favorite creators like Stanley Kubrick and Hal Ashby and smashed them together. Smashby. <laughs> I don't know. Stanley Smashby. I don't know where what that means. It was just on my brain. You know, he takes all these disparate influences and smashes them together to create this other thing. Roald Dahl. I feel like for Wes Anderson, he kind of was, he had these breakout successes with things like Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums. And then in Life Aquatic, he kind of fell into the mud, even though I enjoy elements of that movie for sure. I felt like when he went off course a little bit to play with a kid's movie, creating a film from the Roald Dahl book, Fantastic Mr. Fox, that he found a kind of childlike quality that he hadn't fully embraced. And then the things that come after that have this polish that none of the stuff he had before had made, Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest Hotel, and it looks like in the same vein, the the world is so much more constructed, kind of like a Roald Dahl thing for his new movie, The French Dispatch. And no matter where your opinions fall on his back catalog, if you will, I think you can agree that he is a rebuilder. I think Kanye West, for all of his brilliance, I think the thing that he does the best is he really is an incredible curator and combiner. You know, for me, the Dark Twisted Fantasy moments, that album is my favorite of his albums and has the most brilliance. And I think it's where he takes hip hop and rap and fuses it with things like prog rock and what Bon Iver was doing at the time that things get most interesting and transcendent. I feel like Hamilton is an incredible example of what happens when things can be rebuilt, combined, and repurposed. If you find yourself finding interesting connections, you know, maybe it starts even if you haven't felt like you never got there. Maybe you're in this place where you have a very disparate 
multitude of influences that don't seem like they go together, that might mean that you are a rebuilder and there ain't nothing wrong with that. And so if you're feeling insecure about you're not the right type of creative, remember, there is no wrong type. We need all of these different pieces because guess what? This is a huge cyclical fluid cycle. The builders need the rebuilders and the unbuilders have nothing to do if nothing's been built. They all play together and work off each other. And I wish that we did less trying to demean the other types of creative and stay in our lane and embrace and celebrate what comes natural for us. And I feel like these three creative types, if you start categorizing these out into these buckets, you can start seeing how there's a clear ecosystem that is just a phenomenal thing. One more note on the creative types. There might be one other creative type, one ring to rule them all. These are the artists that can do all of them in their creative process. And actually, I think as you work through the different types and you play around to see kind of which fit, you're probably going to lean to one of these three. But I think the creative process is most beautiful when you're kind of mixing all of these together. Now, for me, I think Pixar does this really well. Hayao Miyazaki has a good mix of all of these, although I do think he kind of leans into the unbuild category. Kendrick Lamar is somebody who really is kind of a master of all of these things. There's clearly a sense of play and experiment in what he does, but then he also has this unbuilding spirit, a real deconstructionist. There's definitely a sense of protest and kind of anti monolithic mainstream culture in his work, as well as clearly this rebuilding thing where he's taken his parents' musical influences and kind of fringe stuff like Flying Lotus, these kind of unorthodox beats that were completely outside of the mainstream tastes and combines them into something totally different. And there's definitely just a sense of a synthesis of all of these types. Taika Waititi, I feel like his movie Thor Ragnarok is such a clear exploration of play and the process at the same time deconstructing what superhero movies are about and then also still manages to be this pop rebuilding of you know taking Led Zeppelin and and smashing it into Marvel Universe and having this clear utility of a point like embracing this strong humanitarian theme throughout it. Lego movie can't leave Lego movie off the table. Yes, this episode is sponsored by Lego, but anybody that knows me, anybody that's listened to this podcast for more than a couple episodes probably heard me talk about how Lego movie is one of my all time favorite movies. Yes, clearly extremely playful, kind of a deconstructionist movie and that it's anti hero's journey because instead of a chosen one, we're all chosen people in our own way. And it's definitely has that rebuild essence from combining things like the matrix with guardians of the galaxy and not to mention all these different properties, Ninja Turtles, the NBA, like all kinds. 
kinds of different raw materials combined into this super synthesized flick that I'm just a super fan of. And so I do think you probably lean to one of these, but it also might be interesting to create outside of your comfort zone and figure out how to piece all of these various types together in your masterworks. All right, the third way this this framework, this structure for thinking about creative stuff inspired me, the build, unbuild, rebuild, was through the lens of where you are on the greater creative journey. Maybe you're not struggling with originality and need to think about this through the lens of influences. Maybe you're not struggling with insecurity, having to figure out what kind of creative type you are and own and celebrate that. Maybe you just feel off course. You can't seem to find the pulse of your creative journey. Everybody knows what it feels like to be right in the center of your creative path. And it, there's nothing that feels better. Everything is fitting together, coming together like you didn't expect it. And you're feeling like I know exactly what I should be doing. And your focus is right on the target. But then we also are probably even more familiar with the, the feeling of, I think I took a wrong exit somewhere or I missed my exit. I don't know. I have no, am I going North, East? Where do I want to go? That feeling is just my least favorite feeling. And I hate it in life and I hate it on the creative path. And for me personally, you know, I kind of think of storytelling as a kind of mythology, kind of even a a way of thinking about your, your own personal philosophy. I believe that we tell stories to make sense of life and where we are right now. And if you are in a place in your creative path where you feel off course and you can't find up, down, left, or right, if you just feel as chaotic as a (laughs) Nintendo cheat code, is it up, down, left, right, A, B, A, start? You know, one of those things. Then I suggest using this framework for a way of understanding. Are you in the build phase? Are you in the unbuild phase? Are you in the rebuild phase? And I want to explain that real quick because I think that this these phases are cyclical in our journey. And I think understanding, you know, understanding when you're in the build phase and, and trying to figure out like, What am I trying to achieve? Understanding when you're in the unbuild phase, when things are falling apart and things aren't working and you're hitting brick wall after brick wall, understanding that's part of the process is huge and understanding when you're there and what to do because of it is even more of a big deal. But to get into that, I want to just just veer off ever so slightly into the greater world of philosophy You know, have you ever thought about how did we get from the kind of crazy, free-spirited 60s and 70s in America to 
the the more rigid by the book 80s and 90s how do we go from the coolest things in culture being things like bowie and queen to things like britney spears and backstreet boys like how did the how does one culture take that path now i am not a philosophy expert but i know enough to be dangerous around this subject and one of my favorite philosophical ideas that we've touched upon in the past that I want to dive deeper into is Hegel's Hegelian dialectic. You throw Hegelian dialectic into a conversation, people are going to look at you like, this guy's got a PhD, but I have mostly just listened to a few podcasts. (laughs) That's most of my education. But the Hegelian dialectic, Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. I don't know if this was Lego's intention or not, but they just happen to be right in sync. You know, thesis, build, antithesis, unbuild, synthesis, rebuild, how they all come together. And Hegel's whole idea on culture was through this lens of saying, here's a statement that the that the culture's making. This is what the, the monoculture, the norms of the day are. And then there's going to become this huge wave that's going to smash into the way things are. And it's also going to have its own problems. And then after that is going to come a time where those two things come together. I don't have to tell you that in 2021, we are most likely going through the antithesis, antithesis phase that is pushing back on the way things are. But in the meantime, things get pretty chaotic. If you're feeling the current chaos of the day, be, you know, encouraged that the synthesis is coming some way of putting these pieces back together in a way that feels better than the two previous phases. And so in your own process, in your own creative journey, all of these pieces, as chaotic and uncomfortable as they may feel, are all part of the process. Now, These three things show up in the exact same kind of fashion in the world of storytelling. The first act is the thesis. It's the character saying, this is what I want. The second act is the antithesis, the stuff that stops the character from getting what they want. That's the obstacle. That's the thing coming against them, the antithesis. The third act is just how these two things come together. And usually, hopefully, if it's a good story, how they come together in a surprising but inevitable way. And you can start to feel, we're going to get to it in a minute before I give you some I'm just going to give you a few examples before we get there, but you can kind of feel why it's important to kind of understand where you are in this process because it gives you a peace of mind and it gives you a directive on how to channel your creativity right now. Before we get there, let me just explain how this works in storytelling and then talk about it through the lens of other creators and then talk about what to do with it in your own creative practice. Let's use the Lego movie, okay, because it's a phenomenal movie and it it follows this template so well. You know, the main character Emmett wants to be the special and save the world. That's the thesis. 
Okay, that's what he wants. But the antithesis happens when Emmett realizes he's not that special. He's just like everybody else, right? But the synthesis is when Emmett realizes that everyone, uh, being like everyone is just fine because everyone is special. You see how these two pieces come together? Lego Batman, also phenomenal flick. Absolutely loved it. Starts with Batman saying, I want to work alone because relationships are too vulnerable. So that's what he wants. I want to just do everything by myself. But what happens is the antithesis says you're continually up against more than you can handle on your own and you're about to lose it all. So he can't get what he wants. He can't do it on his own. But then what he realizes is they come together. He forms a team because he realizes there's nothing more vulnerable than being alone. Okay. Now you might be like, all right, that sounds like good story structure, but actually story comes from life. You know, in my own creative practice, when I was just a kid, I wanted to be a performer more than anything. If I'm completely honest, I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. You know, when I was 13, if you would have asked me, I was going to move, you know, I was going to either go to Chicago and, and do Second City improv or wherever I had to go to try to become the type of person that gets on Saturday Night Live. That's what I wanted to do. My second act was when I actually like turned 18. I think part of me was like, you know, I don't know if that's realistic. Uh, I, I do see a path with illustration. And I my second act was following the illustration path. And I created a practice around that. And then it came back around when I started to use illustration in the form of analogies as a public speaker. And both of these things came together in this podcast and in my public speaking. You know, Gerard Way, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, had a similar thing. First act, comic artist. Second act, emo band. Third act, his comics, Umbrella Academy, become a TV show. And this kind of performance meets visual art come together in this synthesis of the TV show. And you see this over and over. The the, the creators that stay on the path, especially through the antithesis, through the periods of times where things don't make sense, things feel uncomfortable, you feel like you're kind of trudging up a mountain. You know, I, I got to imagine people like Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo, the lead singer, when, uh, you know, Devo's heyday was over, it probably felt so much like the second act of a movie. It probably felt like everything was coming apart at the seams. And there are so many creators in that world when they don't realize that the second act, the unbuild is as important as any other part of their journey, as natural as any other part of their journey, just totally pack it up all together. But you might not know this, but uh, Devo Frontman went on to be this incredible composer. And it just hit me now how, how much this is the perfect synthesis of everything I'm saying, because guess what? He composed films like Thor Ragnarok, 
many Wes Anderson movies, and you guessed it, none other than the Lego movie. And I can just imagine that as all of, I can, you know, as everything's falling apart with this huge hit band that was completely unconventional, a total unbuild type band is kind of over their heyday, that it must have felt like such an antithesis to everything that he was trying to do. And that's why I think it's so incredibly important to have a sense of what these phases look like. And I actually think it's the reason why we tell stories. I think, you know, like Donald Miller would say, he wrote the book A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And he's talking about seeing your life as a story, because when you see your life as a story, all of a sudden conflict doesn't just become inevitable. It's what makes the thing work. It's what makes us lean in and get interested. And so here's how I kind of want you to think about this. If you're feeling off course, you know, if you're in, you are in your first act, you are in the build phase. If you don't yet really know what you want, if you're in a place where if I asked you, what do you want? And you don't have a word or two words or three words that perfectly summarizes. This is what I'm trying to do. This is how I'm trying to do it. You know, it's not even, it doesn't even have to be like, I want to win an Academy Award. It could literally be, I want to be a great illustrator. I want to be a great storyteller. I know what my mission is. If you don't know then you are in the first act. You're in the act where the character is still trying to figure out what is the call to adventure? What is my thing? And and if you're like me, you might've had that call and just been distracted by life. And so sometimes you're in the first act until you can get your crap together and focus on the thing that's set before you. You know, for me, I think that often I get stuck in these phases when I just don't finish what's on my plate. You know, I want seconds. I want the next act to come before I've been clear about accomplishing what I'm doing in this phase. So if you don't know what you want, if you don't know what this season of your life is even about, and you're just kind of aimlessly wondering, you are in the first act and your job is to figure out what is animating me through this next phase. You're in the second act if, and a lot of us are in the second act with the way the things have been going in the world, um, you're in the second act if you know what you want, you were going to get it and you just hit brick wall after brick wall after brick wall and you just cannot seem to get to the other side. It might be the fact that, you know, these things that you want to do are they all, there's too many people already doing it. It could be, you know, circumstances like geography or health. It could be your level of talent. You can't figure out how to do what you want to do with your limitations and skill and resources. You know, if you know what you want, but you just can't seem to make it work, you are in the second act. And when you're there, I think the first thing you got to do is just own, own that you are in that uncomfortable phase. You're in the third act or what will put you into the third act is when you accept 
your limitations, accept the obstacles that are in the way, and you decide to synthesize those, you decide to rebuild, you decide to take what you wanted to build, how it got unbuilt, and put it together in a way that you never saw coming. You know, in story, the whole idea most of the time is that the obstacle becomes the way. It's where the things that came against you, the ways that you didn't have the talent or you lived in the wrong place or, you know, you had, there's too many people doing what you were doing or you couldn't, you know, your, your tastes were too disparate. Those things become the opportunity for you to do your best work. That's when you're rebuilding. That's when you're synthesizing. That's when you're exploring a new philosophy, a new definition of success that you didn't see coming. When you're mixing things together, when you're mixing what you wanted with what happened, with what reality said, with what you were facing, with your obstacles. You're in the third act if you're starting to see your path in a new way that you never saw coming. And you're never going to get to that place where things get really juicy when you start rebuilding if you don't accept the reality that's in front of you right now. And so if you are having a period of time where you're feeling off course, One way to help find a breakthrough is to just identify which of these three phases are you in and accept where you are and lean into their unique opportunities and challenges. I hope that you uh, felt as inspired by this whole framework as I did. And I hope you didn't mind a jam-packed episode that gave you three ways to overcome the some of the core problems that stand in the way on our creative journey. You know, the, the problem of originality, of there's nothing new under the sun, the problem with insecurity of feeling like I'm doing it the wrong way, I'm not a real type of creative, you know, imposter syndrome and all of that junk. And for me, maybe the most common problem that I face in my path is just feeling like I've lost my path completely. You know, there are just so many seasons, so many days, weeks, months, and even years that I have just completely squandered on my path, wandering in the wilderness when I could have been accepting exactly where I was, facing the dragons that were in front of me today by tapping into where am I on this journey? And if you're off course, I'm hoping that lens of the build, rebuild, unbuild framework really helped you feel the pulse again my hope that these ideas didn't just, uh, I know they didn't fix all of your creative problems, but I do hope they gave you some new tools to work on them because we need you creatives if we're actually going to rebuild this world. Now, 
massive thanks to Lego for making this episode possible. Me and my family are just crazy about Lego and it has just been an honor and a privilege to collaborate with an entity that I think embodies creativity and has inspired my creativity my entire life. So I hope that you all feel as inspired and excited about our collaboration with Lego. It's the it's a crazy uh, opportunity that I did not see coming. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts because it's my intention that, like I said, not to give you all the answers or fix your creative path, but hopefully come to you every single week and give you some new tools, some new ideas, some new ways to think about the stuff that's in front of you on the path to just kind of refresh your motivation and your belief that you might just be able to break through if you give it another shot. The whole reason I designed this show to happen every single week is just this notion that if we can show up week in and week out and try try to just stir up some excitement and some fresh perspectives on how to approach our creative journey that will just kind of daisy chain a bunch of those attempts, trial and error and pivot and grit our way to places that we never thought we could go. And so really this show isn't supposed to work either like a binge. It's not supposed to work where, you know, you just dip in, in and out. Hopefully, you know, I think the best way to use this resource or the way that I'm intending it is that you would just every single week, get a little dose of pep so that you can put another week into the creative path. And so don't forget to subscribe. Keep showing up week in, week out. If you put enough of those weeks together, you're going to get somewhere interesting. I really believe that. That's been my experience. You know, I don't always feel like recording. I don't always feel like showing up Uh, and making something. And sure, I believe in self-care and taking time off, but I also really believe in the kind of compounding interest that happens when you just invest a little bit each and every week. And so I hope that you will subscribe. This podcast is part of the Kolu Podcast Network. It's a network of creative podcasts designed to fuel your creativity. Huge thanks to the band Y for our theme music. Shout out to Alex Sugg for the Creative Pep Talk soundtrack. Thanks to Sophie Miller, a.k.a. Sophie Pizza, and Ryan Appleton for content assistance. Massive thanks to Connor Jones from Pending Beautiful for editing this show so beautifully. And until we speak again, stay pepped up.